Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Can you give me a list, like literally just shout out words, of everything that microchips are in? Well, everything from basically fighter jets to toaster ovens to cars, that cars are a big one, obviously computers, smartphones. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Chips really are the building blocks of the modern digital economy. And I think, you know, the emerging of, you know, all of these quantum sort of like computing, artificial intelligence underpinned by the biotechnology revolution. And like I said, you know, I've definitely been made fun of for my obsession, I guess, with chips. Brendan Bordelon is a tech policy reporter at Politico. Microchips are in literally everything these days. Uh, they're becoming more and more advanced, and uh, the ones that are advanced are being made uh, less and less in the United States. And that's one of the big issues that, that folks have today. On the show today, Brendan Bordelon on Washington's pledge to pour billions of dollars into coaxing chip manufacturers back to the United States and inside the microchip lobbying blitz happening on Capitol Hill today. I don't know that much about microchips, but one thing I can speak to, I know about a microchip is in, is a PlayStation 5. My brother and his husband, Gordon, were some of the lucky ones who got the PS5 in like the five-minute window that they were in stock for pre-order. And the people who didn't get one had to wait because of this international microchip shortage. So why is there an international microchip shortage? Yeah, uh, well, there's no one answer, but I think if, if you were to drill down on, on one answer, it, it would probably be COVID and the supply chain disruptions that, that came out of that. Things were shut down for a very long time in Asia in particular, early on in the pandemic. And these manufacturing facilities require a lot of lead time. They're extremely complicated. And when they shut down, it's not like you can just say, OK, well, we'll start up tomorrow and everything will be back hunky dory. In a lot of cases, I think, you know, whole swaths of production had to be basically thrown out and start over. And every time there was a shutdown, every time there was another sort of like hiccup in the COVID bubble, everything kind of had to just get reset and, and go back, you know, start from the beginning. Mm. That really put a snarl in these supply chains. There's also a lot of inputs in these these chips that were were similarly cut off. So that was basically what started and it kind of snowballed from there. Um, there was some bad weather in Texas. Texas is actually a big producer of microchips. You guys remember probably last year there was that freeze mm. that contributed to it. Uh, and then there's just, you know, unprecedented demand uh, that I think folks weren't necessarily expecting with COVID. Right. Uh, folks were expecting people to spend less. Because they're in everything. They're in everything. And everybody had a lot of disposable income because of all the government uh, subsidies. And you know, everybody got a check. It wasn't just the US. The uh, Most of the Western world, a lot of the developing world got support. And I think folks assumed People were just going to sit around. But what ended up happening is folks ended up buying a lot of uh, consumer electronics and PlayStation 5s and other things when they were on lockdown. And uh, so you had a very, very high demand and very low supply. And, you know, that's basic economics 101. Uh, you got yeah. you got a shortage. As much as people may want the new iPhone 12, there are certain sectors where it's a you know, potentially much bigger deal, like the auto sector, right? Yeah. And I think the issue with cars, and, and I think why you're seeing so much focus on cars on Capitol Hill in particular, and we can get into that, is when the car manufacturers can't get chips, they can't obviously make cars, it's not the right inputs, and the production line shuts down. That is a huge source of jobs for a lot of uh, states, particularly in the Midwest, you know, Michigan in particular. Pretty much every single Michigan lawmaker has been, you know, aggressively pushing for this because they are hearing from their constituents, listen, 
I'm on a half shift all week. Like I have not gone into work for a full shift in like two months now because they just don't have the chips to make the cars. I'm hurting here. So Mm -hmm. that's, I think, why cars have been specifically sort of zeroed in on with policymakers. Yeah. So what is being done to solve this shortage? Not a whole lot in Washington at the moment. There's been a lot of talk for a very long time about uh, trying to bring chip manufacturing back to U.S. shores. Um, there's a big debate whether like anything Washington does in the next like year or so would actually have any impact on this shortage. But right. it's more about preventing future shortages, yeah. making sure, you know, we have manufacturing capabilities in the United States. Hmm. So there is this effort to try to basically onshore chip production bring it back to the United States. One way they're trying to do that, really the main way, is uh, heavily subsidizing um, manufacturing plants, um, research for, into new sort of more advanced chips. Folks are talking about a tax credit. Uh, there's $52 billion in research and manufacturing subsidies percolating um, on Capitol Hill right now. Uh, they're attached to the competitiveness packages that are the House and Senate are sort of like hammering out a compromise on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are efforts to add tax credits There's a lot of talk about sort of an expanded effort over years and and maybe even decades uh, in Washington to really like boost chip manufacturing, boost chip research, bring as much of that away from Asia and back to the U.S. There's a national security component there as well, given how much of the chip manufacturing takes place in Taiwan, which obviously sits, you know, just 90 miles from a very hostile China. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's a concern there as well. Um, All that's kind of wrapped up together. And, and, you know, Washington and Congress uh, in particular are really making a play. But like anything on on Capitol Hill, it takes a lot longer than, than anyone ever expects. And the chip industry was actually on the Hill Wednesday, really aggressively, you know, asking Congress, like, where's Where's my money? Basically, like it's been nearly a year now and, and you, you still haven't delivered. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the industry is getting a little frustrated. I think uh, a lot of lawmakers are getting frustrated, particularly in Michigan and some of these big chip producing states. But uh, as of now, we haven't seen any any major money come down the pike uh, to try to bring chip manufacturing back to the U.S. Mm. So go back to what microchip companies were were doing on Capitol Hill on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So there's two competitiveness bills right now. Congress is really worried that, that Beijing is going to lap us on, you know, all sorts of like right. the, the technologies of the future, right? Yeah. So both of these bills are really broad. And there's a bunch of disagreements between the House and Senate. One area where the two bills agree is the $52 billion for the chip industry. That is in there. That's been in both bills for for quite a while, actually. And it's basically being held hostage by all these other issues that the House and Senate have with mm. other parts of the bill. So the chip industry is like, oh, like, why? Why can't you just pass this as a standalone? Why does that have to be tied in? When you talk to leadership in both chambers, they know this is really popular and they want to keep it in the bill so that the rest of the bill leverage. will get pushed through. Yeah, exactly. It's leverage. So um, that's why it's been stalled for so long. I think it's also why they're not going to pull the money out of these bills because they sort of see the money is crucial to getting everything else across the finish line in these competitiveness package uh, packages. That's kind of the stalemate right now. The conference on those bills should start in like a couple weeks. So there is going to be some movement. Could take a really long time, though. There's a lot of really thorny disagreements over R&D policy, over trade, over some foreign policy things that target China. The companies that were up there yesterday uh, and actually up here today as well, um, Intel, Micron, um, Global Foundries, which is a, a big chip manufacturer in upstate New York, um, Not so coincidentally, Chuck Schumer is a huge backer of these subsidies. He's actually Mm. 
kind of been like the primary pusher on Capitol Hill this entire time. He got them a much bigger pot of money than they were expecting at the start of 2021. And he's pretty open about the fact that he's doing this to help global foundries and other chip interests in his state. I mean, really just every U.S.-based company that has any kind of microchip equities was up there yesterday, is up there today. But I do think, you know, in a lot of ways, like, the chip lobby is kind of, despite the, the concerns they have over delays and the fact that, you know, I think they're, they're getting impatient, uh, they, they're kind of like the, uh, the darlings of Washington right now. Everybody yeah. wants to be seen with them. Everybody wants to talk with them. I mean, Pat Gelsinger was one of Biden's guests of honor at the State of the Union. Oh, sorry. That's, that's the Intel CEO. He was, he was one of Biden's guests of honor at the State mm-hmm. of the Union, which is just kind of crazy, especially when you realize that, that Biden is also out there talking about like, uh, you know, reining in big companies and like making sure these companies pay their taxes. But it's like, yeah. don't, you know, not not in Intel's case, though. We want to make sure that Intel has subsidized Intel gets like the tax breaks that it needs. And I think it just shows you, you know, how central Washington sees the chip industry to its strategic future, its economic future, Um, you know, that they're willing to really roll out the red carpet and pull out as, as all the stops really to make sure that they they're happy and they, and they get what they want and ideally come to the U.S. and start making chips and, and producing jobs and, and you know, get, getting things moving. Mm. So what are you really looking out for on this in the coming months? I, I'm really looking to see whether they get the tax credits. Uh, again, that's, um, and I know tax credits is like not necessarily the, the sexiest thing Snooze. ever, but uh, yeah, but it, <laughs> but it is, you know, a 25, if you get a 25% rebate on any like manufacturing facility that you build, and, and especially if they get the house version of the credits, which includes 25% cash back for, for any taxes on research, that's going to be a lot of money down the line. You know, they're looking at this in terms of like decades. Again, you know, like we said at the top, the chip, the whole chip process making process is a really sort of in-depth involved, um, long-term endeavor. So they're not really, you know, one shot in the arm of $52 billion. That's, that's good and all for them, but they are looking for sort of sustained support. So if they get that, I think that would be a big deal. Uh, and more generally, like I said, you know, I, I think it's still an open question whether this is sort of the only effort that Capitol Hill is going to take here or whether we're likely to see like a years long, you know, cross Congress effort, you know, like the, going to the 118th Congress, 119th, you know, for the next five, six years, are we going to be talking about the chip industry and, oh, we need to support our our boys in the chip industry? Or is this kind of going to be the only time that we talk about this? So the chip industry would love for this to be a, a, a recurring theme. And mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll be really interested to see whether that uh, plays out in the next few years. But then politically, you know, that like almost everyone is like pretty like high on chips. So it's like one of the few things that Democrats and Republicans are sort of like, yeah, like, let's throw money at it. Like, come on. 100%. Yeah, 100%. A lot of the lawmakers that are pushing this do have chip industry interests in their states already. So so Chuck Schumer, like I think I, I mentioned earlier, um, John Cornyn uh, is also a big pusher of this. There's a lot of chip interest in Texas. Mark Kelly in Arizona, a lot of chip interest in Arizona. TSMC, the Taiwanese company is going to Arizona. All the Michigan lawmakers are big on this. You know, we talked about cars. Uh, a lot of lawmakers want to pass this soon so they can go back to their districts and run on it. And it's mm-hmm. actually funny because, like, both both sides want to do it. It's not like, oh, this is a Democrat win. This is a Republican win. Like, Republicans in Texas and elsewhere will run on this just as hard as Democrats in Michigan or Arizona or New York. It is one of those rare things that unites the parties. You know, you asked earlier what I'd be interested in seeing. Uh, I am interested to see if there is eventually a partisan split on this. Uh, I'm not sure there will be. There, there are a couple progressives 
in the House and Senate, Bernie Sanders in the Senate, uh, Jamal Bowman in the House that have raised some concerns about corporate welfare and, you know, sweetheart deals for, you know, big industry. But they are very, very small group. Uh, there are very, very few of them. And they are you know, heavily outnumbered by folks on both sides who are very, very eager to give the chip industry a bunch of money and, and go home and campaign on that in November. Brendan Bordelon, thanks so much for talking with me. Sure. Thanks for having me. Also in the news, New York City Mayor Eric Adams is poised to announce a major policy change today that unvaccinated athletes will be allowed to play professional sports in New York City. Adams has been relaxing COVID-19 policies instituted by former Mayor Bill de Blasio since taking office. And the Democratic National Committee is considering upending its nominating calendar. Members are circulating a draft proposal to require states, including Iowa, to apply to keep or gain early state status in future presidential races. The memo will be considered on March 28th at the next meeting of the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee, which is tasked with setting the presidential nominating calendar. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.